We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRunGood.com. I have been on the run of a lifetime this fall swing. Just did EVR at uh, the WWT, third outright of the fall swing. That's not including an 11-unit Ryder Cup week where we hit multiple bets over 9-1. to Uh, My entire process for betting is based on this 3,000-word course breakdown uh, that I write every Monday for rickrungood.com. That is where you can find exactly how I break down this golf course, how I modeled it out, uh, how my model informs the picks that I make, what you should be looking for, the weather. I wrote a lot this week about how to measure productivity in the wind uh, because that is very relevant in Bermuda at this particular tournament that we have in our hands this week. And then if you're a DraftKings player as well, you get my entire breakdown of the DraftKings slate on Wednesday, not to mention the model generator so you can use my numbers create your own model lineup builder and the largest golf betting statistical database on the internet you can get all of this for seven dollars a week and it's even cheaper if you sign up for a month or a year Uh, but there is so much money to be made this fall swing i'm up over 34 units this fall swing if you're uh if your unit is a hundred dollars um you can do the math there i'm not a huge better. But like I said, um, you can calculate that one pretty simply and find out that there's a ton of opportunity in these lesser known events. I know they're not the, they're not the most fun or entertaining to watch on television, but, um, it's probably the biggest edge that we have as golf betters all year. In my opinion, you know, even if you're a $20 better, you're up thousands of dollars uh this just this fall alone following my plays so give it a shot this week for the bermuda championship head on over to rickrungood.com go to the sign up page type in code andy so they know that i sent you even if you want to do it for a week the level of information that you'll be getting i pour my heart and soul into the written work that i do there you're getting upwards of five six thousand words per week not just on the Bermuda Championship, but on every single tournament that is being held 
from now all the way up until the tour championship in August. Um, so, you know, if you put the time in, the proof is really in the pudding with how much money you can make on this stuff. These are, like I said, the weeks where we possess the biggest edge and that's the only place to reach me for personal questions as well is in that Slack channel on rickrungood.com. So head over there right now, promo code Andy in the signup page, and we would love to have you as part of that community. For all of my football content, shipitnation.com is the place to go. My NFL picks this season, even just a very average ho-hum three and three week this week, we're still at 62% this year. It's been a wild run in the NFL as well. I, NFL as well. I, I have already fired on multiple bats this week. And, and yes, those lines are going to move. They always do. So like I've said a million times on this podcast, the way to beat the NFL is knowing when to bet. Uh, and that is why Ship It Nation has been so valuable in giving me this platform to post all of my bets when I make them. Um, for, you know, the serious NFL bettors out there that are serious about following and making money on the NFL. That is the place to go. Um, not to mention how much Tambo and Hoop and all the other Ship It Nation members have been killing it on the football DraftKings side of things as well. So shipitnation.com, promo code Andy to take an extra 10% off. Join in now. A couple lines today, actually, um, that I would recommend moving on pretty quickly. Um, all right. Coming up on this podcast... Maybe my favorite episode of the year. Uh, we're bringing on Kyle Porter for the annual major over-unders pod because there's nothing that Kyle and I enjoy more than arguing about stuff like this. How many majors is Rory going to finish his career with? How many is John Rahm going to finish his career with? What about Brooks? What about Spieth? A bunch of other players that we talk about. Kyle and I talk about probably, in our opinions, uh, the 10, 10 to 12 most interesting players in golf right now and make... Silly projections on how many majors they will finish their career with is one of my favorite gimmicks that I have come up with. I like doing this every fall as kind of a checkpoint of where we are at in these guys' career. I'm sure uh, me and Kyle's projections and picks will change drastically when we do this thing next year. But, you know, you'll learn from the pod and probably this is something you already know from all of my other work. I'm a pretty big golf history nerd. I love tracking this stuff. I love attempting to put things in context. Uh, so this was an absolute treat. Kyle is one of my absolute favorite people to talk to when it comes to this stuff. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right. Kyle Porter's here. We're going to do our favorite thing in the world today, which is make <laughs> predictions about golfers that no one will get to call us out on until 2040. So uh, thank you for joining me today, my friend. Yeah, it's it's great. It's, you know, my favorite thing in the world is to hand, well, two things. One, hand out too many majors to different guys. The, <laughs> the, 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 number, the number never adds up correctly. And then I also do this with the Ryder Cup where I hand out like 100 points and there's really only 28 to be had. So I'm, uh, I'm happy to be on and uh, uh, genuinely talking about one of my favorite things. So I'm excited about the combo. So I gave you the 10 players that we're going to spend the majority of the time on. We'll also do some fun rapid fire at the end because there's way more than 10 golfers that I'm just fascinated by what their career trajectory turns out by. But I went through and did my over-unders like you beforehand and realized that of the 10 that we picked, I had 
eight overs and two unders. And then I, <laughs> I got, I got really nervous and switched it to five and five. Did you have well, any, a similar experience? Of course. I mean, I, I'm, I initially you, you roll through it and you're like over on everyone. And right. then, <laughs> and then you, it, it's like the, um, you know, when you're going through like the NFL schedule and you're like, oh, they'll win 10 games, they'll win That's 10 games. Win. You're yeah. like, that, that, that doesn't, that doesn't add up. So yeah, I, I'm like you, I, I went back and, and had to, had to, had to switch a few and it's, it's hard because I think the hardest part about this, Andy is so much of it, as you know, comes down to, to some luck, right. right. Where you can, you know, your expected win rate at majors, if you're Scotty Scheffler over the course of your career could be like four, but you might only have two majors or you might have seven. Like it just is so dependent on factors outside of the individual golfer's control, like the number that they end up with that, that makes this such a fool's errand, but also like the most fun fool's errand that I could think of. Let's start with Scotty. Um, I gave you an order. I'm going to stick with the order that I laid out for you. It's no real. I thought about going like, do I want to start with the highest over unders and then work with the lowest? Do I want to go with the youngest guys and then get to the oldest? But I kind of settled on this like somewhat nonsensical, but just in terms of this was the order that I kind of wanted to talk about these guys. And I felt like Scheffler was the first guy on mind just coming off the season that he had. And I gave you the over under for Scheffler at 3.5. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has, he has one and he's 27 years old. Um, he's played in 17 majors. He's at nine top tens and 17 majors, five top fives, three runner-ups and a win. He's never finished outside the top 25 in a master's. He's got three top tens and four starts at the PGA. He's got a 50% top 10 rate in six U.S. Opens. Never finished outside the top 25 at an Open. Um, so I give you Scotty Scheffler at 3.5. Where are you leaning? I think it's, it. you know, I think this is a good time to do this exercise because, you know, we we often do this right after somebody wins a major and you're like, oh, that guy, well, he'll probably win six, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we do that all the time. And so I think, you know, October of like in the sort of off season is a great time to do it. Cause I think you can think more clearly about what these guys are. I think I would go under three and a half and it's not because I, I think Scotty Scheffler is amazing. Three and a half. So I mean, four majors is a lot. Like who are the modern guys that have four, right? It's, it's Rory Brooks, Tiger, Phil, who am I missing there? Ernie Els. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you, just like the historical guys that have four, it's a short list. Like it's, you're it, talking yeah, Faldo, it, Trevino, Els, Seve, Byron Nelson, Phil, Tom Watson, Saracen, Palmer, Hagen, Sneed, Player, Hogan, Nicholas Woods. That's it. Yeah, which is like okay, is Scotty in that? Maybe, but I think for me to have gone over, he would have had to have capitalized on this crazy to green run over the last two years like if you won the pga this year i'd be like okay i yeah four is in in play i i just don't i don't know that i see anybody who's at one right now getting to four over the course of their career so i'm gonna go under on scotty i went under two and i think three is the correct number or the one that i feel most comfortable with Sheffler. Listen, I mean, you win three majors, like 
that's in the VJ saying like Nick Price, Billy Cat, like you're Scotty Scheffler very well may finish his career as like a top 40 guy in the world of all time with three majors, right? So it's not, it's no slight on Scheffler. I will say, I think Frisco getting in the mix as a PGA anchor site, like an 8,000 yard course in Texas hosting a PGA every six, seven years, <laughs> probably pretty good for Scheffler. And I think he is course proof, right? Like he's, there are a couple guys like we'll get to Spieth, we'll get to Morikawa where it's like, man, I'm not sure every single one of these major venues every year is like a Jordan Spieth course or a Colin Morikawa course. Scheffler, Rory, Rom, like those are probably Brooks, maybe. Those are like the four guys where it's like, man, I feel pretty comfortable that like on paper over the next 20 years, every single one of these four courses every year is going to be a Scotty Scheffler course. But I still went under just based on the fact I want to get to five and five. So let's go to Hovland. Hovland's 1.5. Now Hovland's 26 years old and he has zero majors. He has not finished outside the top 20 in his last five majors. Uh, so he may have been a little bit of a late bloomer in terms of major championships success, but he seems to have completely figured it out. So I give you Hovland 1.5. 26 years old. Are you going over or under on Hovland, who many believe right now is probably the best player in the world? Yeah, I'm going to go over on Victor Hovland, which is, you know, I think even a year ago, I, I would have gone under. And I wrote about this some, and I, I've probably talked about it some places, but nobody changed my mind more about who they are as a player in 2023 than Victor Hovland. For, for me in 2022, it was Matt Fitzpatrick. I'd have to think going back, maybe 21 was Rom, maybe, but 23 was for sure Victor Hovland because I came into the year thinking like, okay, he's a very good player. He's obviously a world-class ball striker, but I left the year thinking like, man, he's kind of a killer too. And you don't, you don't get that. You don't like the first, your first impression of him is not that vibe, but being you know, watching the PGA and seeing him kind of like go toe to toe with Brooks for most of the day, he made one mistake on 16, but it wasn't a nervy mistake. It was just kind of a, you know, bad break. If you want to call it that didn't aim in the right spot, whatever, maybe missed it a little bit, ends up in the bunker and that's it. But he he's, he's nastier than I thought he was. And I think he ends his career with, with, I, I think Victor Hovland can win as many majors as Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Martin Keimer. Like that's the company that we're talking about. I, I don't think that's too much to ask of Victor Hovland. I was writing about, I wrote about Hovland for, for Rick Rungood a couple months ago, and I'll share like a quick snippet because I think this kind of encapsulates the reason why I'm going over. I wrote what's been so encouraging about Hovland has been the drastic improvement that we've seen around the green in majors. At both the U.S. Open and PGA Championship, Hovland gained over three strokes around the green, raking in the top 10 in the field. Those were his two best short game performances of the season, and they came on the biggest stages. They also came out of different types of rough, which is also exciting in the context of projecting sustainability. Despite the degree of difficulty around the greens being far more challenging at major championships, Hovland has found a way to improve his baseline around the green in majors. In 16 major rounds this year, Hovland has gained 0.265 strokes around the green per round, 
compared to losing 0.029 strokes around the green in 64 non-major rounds. So essentially, Hovland is over a quarter of a stroke per round better around the greens in the four biggest events of the year. That may not sound like much, but it makes a massive difference when we increase the sample size. Like To place it in further context, Hovland is give or take the 105th best around the green player in the world in regular tournaments and give or take the 29th best around the green player in the world in majors. So I think a lot of the reason why you see Hovland playing really well at golf courses like Oak Hill and Muirfield Village is because the thick rough around the greens. And there's so many major venues like this. I know I'm getting a little in the weeds, but like I think he's incredibly live at Valhalla. That's going to have thick greenside rough. Like He's going to be live Anytime we go to winged foot, Pebble Beach has a lot of thick greenside rough. I actually think he might mm-hmm. struggle. I think he might struggle a little bit at Pinehurst this year, actually. But like Hovland being able to figure out how to get up and down at these major venues is like potentially the biggest cheat code going forward. If you can count on him continuing to be a consistent around the green gainer at majors, I think the sky's the limit. Well, and it, it shows up in other ways, right? I'll, I'll never forget Justin Thomas talking a couple of years ago about how if you go to a major thinking like I've got my best stuff around the greens, it takes some, it, it, it alleviates some pressure and some fear on your approach play, right? Because you're willing to take some shots on that if you, if you're like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen if I have, you know, a 25 footer off a tight lie that I have to chip, then you're, you're, you're not going to be, you're, you're just, you can't play to the level that you need to play to, to win a major championship. So I think, yes, you see it in those raw numbers, but you also, it's hidden in some other numbers probably that, that, that show up in Hovland's game that, that you wouldn't attribute to the short game, but are really kind of an indirect result of a better short game. It takes a ton of pressure off his ball striking. You're right. I couldn't agree more kind of the natural, I guess, partner to Victor Hovland throughout his career in, in terms of their trajectory and how they came up is Morikawa, who's the next guy we'll talk about, who's also 26 years old. And I put him at 3.5. Now he has two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's played in 16 majors, nine top 25, seven top tens, five top fives, two wins. So I give you Morikawa at 3.5. Are you going over or under? This one's tough. I- I think I'm going under and we're aligned on all three. So which is fascinating to me. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's weird because if you drew a graph, like if you had a trajectory of Colin Morikawa in terms of majors played and majors won, and the percentage that he, the, the, the win rate that he has right now, the clip that he's won at, it would be well beyond three and a half, right? It would, it would be, it would be a, a, a large number. And I think sometimes what happens when guys win a bunch early in their career is it just skews our perception of what they're going to be. And I don't, I like Morikawa. I think he's a good player. I don't, he's not a win 25% of his majors player, which is what he did. He won two of his first eight. And that's, that's just not, that's just not who, who he is. I don't know. It's weird though, because he's also not the guy that we've seen the last two years where he didn't he didn't win from November twenty-one until earlier this month. So almost two two whole years he went without winning. 
the truth about Morikawa is somewhere between those two versions of himself. And I think he's a guy that could win another major, but two more for him certainly could happen. I think he'll give himself some opportunities to do so. And he's still so young that it, that it could take place, but man, four is just, I mean, it's a lot, right. And we've seen that with somebody like Rory, who I think you and I would agree is one of the, I don't know, 30 best players ever. And he's stuck on for like, I've I've set, I have him 17 on my pyramid. Really? He's like the 17th most accomplished golfer ever. Yeah. Give or take. You if you he, ha- if you he actually, retired if he retired tomorrow. Yeah, I'm a big nerd with the golf history stuff. I need, is it like public? Have you have you put it out there or is no, it? I'll, I'll email it to you. Okay, that that would be. I I would love that. Yeah. Did you? I mean, did you format it like the the Simmons uh, basketball pyramid? I'm a, I'm a huge Simmons guy. Yeah. Okay. I, one of my takes is that we're all of us in this sort of like even the golf sports media landscape that are roughly thirty to forty. 25 to 40 even are like just derivatives of Simmons, which is not, which is like a compliment to him and not a, not a bad thing. Cause I feel the same way. Like a lot of my writing is, was influenced by reading him for 10 years in high school and college and, and beyond. So yeah, more cow under three and a half. I, I, I don't have like a great reason for it other than I don't think he's a four major guy in specifically in this era with so many other guys. The reason I went under on, Morikawa, you know, I'm, I don't want to get aggregated and call his two major wins a fluke. They were not even remotely close to that. But what I will say about Morikawa's two wins, they were two very distinctive tournaments that are unlike other PGAs and Opens. So the PGA <clears throat> that he won, if you go back, the PGA that he won at Harding Park, that was on a very short golf course for a PGA championship. And that is not the direction that the PGA championship is headed in. If you want to look at the golf courses on the future PGA championship schedule, every single one of them is at minimum 500 yards longer than Harding Park. They're very different golf courses than Harding Park. We're talking PGA Frisco, 8,000 yards. The new congressional is super long. Harding Park is not the direction that the PGA championship is moving in. And the open championship, that was not an open championship with any wins. That was a really easy golf course. St. George's that year, not a lot of fans on site at either of those majors. Like He's played more traditional opens his last two years and really struggled, missed his last two cuts. So I just think the circumstances of the first two majors that he won were very advantageous to the things he does well. And I do not think that things are going to fall into place like that in the future. I will say another thing that I wrote about after... He won the Zozo for the website was like, okay, what is Morikawa the best at? Like what makes him so great? And I came to the conclusion that there's no one better in the world at hitting approach shots from the fairway from 150 to 200 yards. Like if you can mm-hmm. ensure, if you can ensure that Morikawa is going to hit a ton of middle iron approach shots from the fairway, he raises his contention rate by over 15%. And you know what course has an incredibly high driving accuracy percentage, 75%, and almost 40% of the approach shots are from 150 to 200. One of the highest on tour is the Masters. So I do think that Morikawa was, and he's already started, like he is fifth and a tenth in his last two appearances. Yeah. But I do, I do think Morikawa was going to make a name for himself at Augusta over the next decade. Yeah, that's an interesting take because I think most people 
just on the surface would say he'd be more of a U.S. Open guy, but I think yeah. I think you're right about Augusta. Uh, one quick note on him: so his expected win rate on Data Golf at majors in those two years that he won, so 20 and 21, his expected major win rate, so the the number of majors he was expected to win based on his strokes gain in those weeks was 0.8, and he won two, which is like far exceeding what his expectation was for context rory's expected wins at majors the last two years so uh 2022 and 2023 was 0.9 and he won zero of those so it just goes to show you like how like i said off the top like how much luck is involved in kind of determining how some of this stuff plays out so i i agree with you about augusta but i still am am under with you on on morikawa John Rom 3.5. He's at two. He's 28 years old. I've made you go first for the last three. I'm going over with John Rom. And I actually think the pendulum has swung where I think like Rom is at bare minimum properly rated, potentially underrated now. I think Rom was the player of the year last year. He won the Masters and he won five times. And I think we got really hyper focused on what Scotty Scheffler's year could have been instead of focusing on what Rom's year was, right? Which is one of the best seasons of the last 20 years. Rom answered the bell more when it mattered. I think he's a more, I think with the Rom Scheffler thing, I was like, I need to go over on one of these guys and under on the other. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Rom is a more complete player than Scotty. I, I, I do think when it's all said and done, he's probably going to have a better career. I think it's going to be an awesome back and forth over the next decade. But I went over Rom. I went four for Rom. And I think like that, you know, he's chasing Sevy and Sevy's six. And excuse me, Sevy's five. Sevy yeah. won 54 times in five majors. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I think Rom's gonna, I think Rom's gonna get to four. I really do believe that. What about you? Yeah, I'm we're continue to be aligned. Rom is, you know, we were talking the other day about it might have been on the fried egg podcast. Yeah, it was on the fried egg podcast. We were talking about generations and who like I, I think generations are defined not by time or by uh, decades or like any years or anything like that, but by players. So you had the Tiger generation, and then I think you had the Rory generation. And I think the one after that is the Rom generation. If him and Rory are even in different generations, I think they, I think they kind of are because they're, they're so distinctly great and, but like separate from each other. Um, and I think, I, I think they're two guys that are going to go down as, I think they'll both end up as top 15 players of all time which <clears throat> sounds a little crazy, I guess, but Rory's, as you said, like you've got him 17th. I've got him at least top 20. I haven't done the, the pyramid yet. I need to, but, uh, Rom is to me, if you, if you just look at his numbers and his win rate and his top 10 rate and all these things over the last seven years, since he turned pro in June of 2016, it is, it is, it, it's a generational trajectory. Now, the guys that have been able to keep that up, the, the the guys that are generational have been able to keep that up for 15 or 20 years. And that remains to be seen. But if you extrapolate it out, then he is generational. I think generational guys win four, five, six majors. And I think that 
Rom will win four, five, or six majors. Talk speaking about generations, like that's kind of why I wanted to have Rom, Rory, and Brooks in succession. Mm. Uh, and, and Rory's the next guy. And I think with Rory, you know, I thought this was one of the hardest over unders to make. Because yeah. I put it at 4.5, and I think there's starting to get to two schools of thought with Rory, where there is a strong contingent of people now, maybe I'm more well-versed in this in like the betting community, but I think there's a strong contingent of people that are just like, cut cut the, cut the shit, guys. Like, stop doing this to yourself. Like, he's it's not happening. Like, we've been saying this for a decade. And so I think that with Rory... You either go under or you're probably someone like me or you that's like, oh, I'm going way over because I think I think he's like he's either not going to win one or he's going to win two more. I, I don't listen. I don't think that there's going to be anything quite like a flood floodgate situation in, in modern professional golf. I think there's too much parity, <clears throat> but I, I think I think the hardest the hardest one is going to be the first one. And I do think once you get the monkey off your back. I think he. I, I still think it's in play that he could get to six. I say that mainly because of the golf courses that we're going to in the next ten years. But I'm going over on four point five for Rory. What about you? Yeah, I think it's over. You know, I had a realization this year. It was after the Open Championship when he. I think he finished like T six or something like that. He's his worst finish at majors the last two years has been eighth. I know. Which I think was at the 2022 PGA at yeah. Southern Hills, when he, which he led after the first round. But I think Rory is, this sounds weird, but I think Rory is having Phil Mickelson's career. Yeah. Right. Where he <clears throat> wins whatever, 25, well, he's already at close to 25. He He's going to win 35 times on the PGA Tour. Phil's he's it. at 33 DP and PGA Tour combined. Phil right. finished at 47. Okay. So, so you think Rory's 33 years old. Can he get 14 more wins and two more majors in the next decade? It seems very reasonable, but uh, barring like health, injury, whatever. And so I th- I think if you look at it through that prism, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Phil went long periods of time without winning majors and then he he would win a major and you'd be like, "Oh, Phil, wow. That that's crazy." And you're like, "Yeah, He's just like been taking rips at it for 30 years as, a, as an elite player. And I don't know if Rory has 30 year longevity, but he's proven that he's got like 15 to 20 year longevity. And when you're that good for that long and, and listen, like there's a, there's a stretch 20, what 15 to 2020, basically pretty bad where his yeah. expected win rate at majors was like basically zero. I mean, it was maybe a, a little higher than that, but it wasn't good. And so you would have all these like sort of fake, um, like it, what, you, what you're referencing, like the fake excitement, like, oh, is, is, is he going to do? And it's like, no, like this is not, this is not real, like the thing that you're talking about. But the last two years have really shifted the way that I've thought about. In, in the last two years have been the reason that I've sort of started comparing his his career to Phil's, where it's like, oh, he, he actually did have some real chances. His, again, expected win rate over the last two years at majors was 0.9, which is was pretty solid. You know, it's it's very good. It's it's at Kepka's this year was 0.9, which obviously he won one. So um, it's certainly 
way better than it has been. And I think that gave me some hope for the next five, six, seven years where he's got all these runs at majors. I, I don't know if that means he'll win Augusta. I think Augusta is a different, it's like an entirely different thing, but it would be hard for me to envision him playing at the level that he's at right now. If he can maintain that and not pick off at least one or two over the next five or six years. Yeah. If you, you know, if you think about his career, like it's so interesting, it would be as if, you know, a young quarterback won two or three Super Bowls before the age of 25 and then continually disappointed. It's almost Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers did something similar. He won a Super Bowl in his sixth year when he was 27. Then for the next decade, he was continually the bridesmaid. And then he won back to back MVPs at 36 and 37 years old. And like, I cannot understate this. Rory is playing the best golf of his career right now. Yeah. I know, I know he doesn't have the majors, but right now, statistically, <clears throat> Rory is the best that he has ever been in his entire life. Yeah, it's it's kind of undeniable. And I think that I think you see all those guys go through this. Spieth has gone through this. Morikawa is going through it, where it's like you win all these majors and then you have this pressure, both internal and external, to keep winning them. And it gets you in such a mental funk. And I think Rory is like I don't I think universally people believe he's kind of on the other side of that to where he's got freedom from that pressure. And he's just playing great golf, you know, and and that doesn't mean that it doesn't still pop up at times like Port Rush or Augusta at times or whatever. But I, yeah, if he keeps playing majors at the, the way that he has the last two years, then he will win one, two or three over the next five years. I present you with, in my opinion, I'll I'll kick it to you first and then I'll make the case why this is the most fascinating career, like maybe in, in all of sports, but I have Brooks Kepka at six and a half and he's at five right now. He's 33 years old. So can Brooks get to seven, Kyle? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He can. Um, 
Uh, seven is, it, you know, I was, I was actually just writing about him. I was going back through the PGA championship for, for normal sport three, which is coming out in, in December. And I think we, I don't know how you feel. I think we underrated or we under talked about or undervalued or whatever, just getting to five. I mean, it is so, so many, I mean, these names, like the guys that have done it since world war two. So in like in the last, what is that? Six, 80 years, Jack tiger, Hogan player, Watson, Palmer, Trevino, Faldo, Mickelson, Seve, Peter Thompson, and Brooks. That's it. That's that's extraordinary. I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so many different factors to consider with Brooks. Mentally, he seemed incredibly fragile over the last couple of years. Physically, obviously, there's always something going on. But he's a great champion. You know, I think that's undeniable. I think that's where you and I wrote this in in Normal Sport Three. Like. You have to start when you're talking about Brooks, you have to start with he's a great champion, like one of the greatest. And then every other take that you have kind of kind of branches off of that, you know. And so when you when that's your lead, like when that's the lead thing that is said about you, then yeah, you can certainly get to seven. I I don't think that he will. I mean, his major performances, Andy, other than the PGA this year, over the last two years, obviously 22 was horrible. Yeah. And his other major performances in, uh, I guess he, he played well at the masters. Obviously he was in it there, but didn't play well at either open. I, I just, I don't know. Two, two majors is a lot, even, even for books. So I'm going to go under, but I, I don't have a lot of confidence in saying that. I'm going under two, and I just think that it is like I I mentioned how I kind of rank these guys and stack them up. I Brooks Kepka is like give or take right now the 19th most accomplished golfer ever, but there's no historical comparison for a player that has won under 15 times in his career, but 38 percent of his career wins have been majors. So you look at the players that you mentioned, Kyle that have won five majors, every single one of them has over 30 wins. Yeah. Brooks Brooks may not get to 15. Like the gap between his performance and major championship and every other golf tournament he plays, this is not even a hyperbole. He's probably the starkest in golf history. Again, like I'm trying to think of another comp. It's hard in it's hard in other sports because I was trying to think about okay, is there an NBA player or an NFL player where they're pretty average in the regular season and they just completely raise their baseline in the playoffs. And there isn't because there's a correlation between the regular season and the playoffs, right? Like you you have to have some form of success in the regular season to even make it to the playoffs. So you're not going to see a guy just stink in the regular season and then turn it on in the playoffs. If they stink in the regular season, they're probably not making the playoffs. So I thought about tennis, right? And I'm a, I'm a big tennis fan, and I, I'm a big fan of uh, the Grand Slams. Like I watch the Grand Slams religiously, but I I don't really watch like ATP tournaments. So I was mm-hmm. I was like looking at Wikipedia this morning. I was like, is there is there a tennis comp to this guy, right? And you know, as you look at like Federer and Sampras and Nadal and Nadal and Djokovic and those guys, like 
definitively rose their baseline in grand slams. They played their best tennis on the biggest stage, undeniably. But like they dominated ATP events too. Like, yeah. And you look at Brooks and there's just been nothing like it. And and I think people are like, well, Brooks kind of took the Tiger playbook and made the decision to care about majors more than anything else. And it's like, what do you, Tiger was the most dominant non-major golfer of all time. Like there's no comparison in terms of the way that they viewed professional golf. Brooks is very average in 85% of the tournament he plays in and yet is one of the most 20 most accomplished golfers to ever play it, there's it's truly astonishing yeah it is uh, it, and i think the tiger comparison is interesting it but it, the, what what you're saying and i agree with this is it, it's a different in baselines right tiger raised his baseline from from regular tour events to majors however many percent like 10 percent or 15 percent which is like crazy like that and when you when your baseline is already that high to raise it 10 percent at major championships is is wild and it's why he's won 15 of them brooks is raising his baseline he's like doubling his baseline which makes it it does not add up it does not compute it it, it is like the weirdest strange he's almost like the inverse col- uh, uh colin montgomery right where right where it was like it, it colin montgomery was like the other way around and I, he, you know, I again, I wrote this in in the book, not to keep bringing it up, but like he, he's the Brooks is the guy that I <clears throat> change my mind on the most. Yeah, like there are some days where I think, oh, this guy is the worst. I can't stand him. The whole shtick, all of it. And then there are other days where I'm like, oh, this guy's aspirational. Like he cares about the right stuff. He doesn't care about any of the rest. Like that's that's a great way to live your life. And I, I find myself like flip-flopping on him all the time um but yeah but all that to say like even for him i think winning two is just it's a ton and especially with the injury history that he's had and and kind of where he's been at mentally for the last uh the last few years off and on right like he's kind of gotten it back at times but there have been some mental like his 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 uh, final round major uh performance like other than this year's PGA was kind of shaky since the 2019 uh, PGA at Bethpage. And that was kind of, it was kind of quietly shaky. And so there's just enough question marks in there that if you put it at five and a half, I'd probably go over, but six and a half, I'm going to go under. I'm going to give you can't lay and I'm going to, I'm going to make you go first. Cause I, I, I kind of changed my mind on this like twice. I, I put it at 0.5. He's 31. So if I give you can't like 0.5, are you going over or under there? I, I'm going over. I, 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 I refuse to believe that somebody whose baseline is that high. I mean, he's consistently like the fifth best ball striker in the world. Yeah, like year yeah. after. Yeah. And he showed, he showed some stuff during the Ryder cup where you're like, he, he kind of seems like he wants the ball too, you know? And, and, and in ways that I was not aware of or didn't certainly didn't believe in. And so I just, I refuse to believe that somebody that it, certainly he could end his career with zero majors, but I just think somebody that's that good for that long and that consistent in every facet of his game just falls into at least one. Which ones do you think he's most likely to win? 
Like, which one do you envision for him the most? Which one makes the most sense to you in your head? Uh, U.S. Open. Huh. It's interesting. Yeah. I like. I can't. To me, it, it, I would have said PGA, but I kind of, I kind of get what you mean in terms of the U.S. Like, even a golf course like Pinehurst, like there's something kind of harmonic about like if we go to Pinehurst and it goes Keimer can't lie. Like there's <laughs> Yeah. That was, that was, yeah. I just think with a PGA, obviously he's he's long. He's really long. But yeah, man, some of these PGAs you go to them and you're like, I don't know. I think there's like th- four guys that can win, you know? And he's like just on the outside of that. And so <clears throat> he's played well at the Masters. That was the one place where he, he had he had he had a top 10 the tiger. in 2019. Yeah, the Tiger year. So, yeah, just in my head, it's U.S. Open because of the complete game. It's 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 It has to be the right U.S. Open course. I don't know that – I don't think all of them necessarily fit him, but I think there are some that you're like, okay, this is this could be a, a can't-lay week. Justin Thomas at 3.5. A tough one, right? Like these next yeah. three are really tough. He's 30 years old. Uh, he's at two, so I'm asking for two more at JT. Is that like the right over under? Do you think that I, I didn't want to be a prisoner of the moment with him, right? Because I think a lot of people kind of subscribe to the belief that he was kind of cooked. I mean, it was just an, it was an objectively bad year, right? But I look at a guy who's won 15 times in his 20s, and I still felt like 3.5 was the right number at 30. Yeah, no. Yeah, that no, that's the right number because I think if you if you look at the the evidence, the body of work, what's the anomaly? Is it the ten years that he spent winning fifteen right. times in two majors, or is it the nine months where you kind of sucked? Yeah. You know, and so yeah, I think I would actually go over here. Which first disagreement? Yeah, okay. It doesn't it doesn't make sense based on the year that he had. Obviously, he was not good. He was bad. But I think that he is so sociopathic when it comes to competitiveness, winning, golf history, all these different things that you give him 10 years, 40 majors, I think he wins two of them. That's that's sort of what it comes down to for me. One take that I have on him is he, he, I think, has a tendency to over do it at some of the majors like you think about the players that he won in what was that 20 2021 i think so yeah he hits all these crazy like you know drawing low draws and high fit like all these crazy shots and you're like oh that's amazing and i think he thought it was amazing too and so he started trying to do it like too often everywhere it's like i don't know i think just like a stock seven iron might work here jt (laughs) and so i think he's he's a little bit we've seen this at augusta on 13 he has he tries to hit all these crazy shots it's like just hit two good like stock shots you know like that's that 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 could be that should be plenty for you that should be fine so i think there are some things that he needs to work on to kind of be more conservative in the right spots at majors to give himself a chance on Sunday. But I'm confident that he'll figure that out. To to me, it's more of a mindset thing with him where it's like, I believe that his mindset is such that he will uh, sort of course correct over the next 10 years and and win two of them. So I gave you, I gave you Cam Smith 
in the outline and I was going on a walk before, before we did this. And do you think Bryson is a more interesting discussion? Like, do you think Bryson is deserving? Cause I wanted to have another live player and I, my initial thought was Cam Smith. And then I thought about it a little more and, and going forward, like, if just in a vacuum, are you taking Cam Smith or Bryson? They're they're like similar ages, both have one major. Like who's a more fascinating? So probably the wrong word because Bryson's beating out probably anyone in in the word fascinating. But like who <laughs> who are you more interested to see where their career goes over the next decade? Cam Smith or Bryson? Who are you more bullish on? I think it's Bryson. I yeah, think Bryson. Too. Uh, there's just already been so many different versions of him. He keeps reinventing himself. I think Cam Smith is a pretty simplistic dude who just is very, very good at golf and has an amazing short game. And Bryson, I think, I think Bryson cares more about winning majors than Cam Smith does, if that makes sense. And I, that's not to say that Cam Smith doesn't care. I think he does, but I think Bryson really cares a lot. And because of that, I, I would say Bryson is is more interesting. Would you put Bryson's number at one and a half also? I would. And I'd go over, which is, you know, I would put Bryson at one and a half and I'd go over and I would, Cam Smith would be a tough under at 1.5. The reason I'd go over on Bryson is I think an underrated topic was Bryson managed to lose 20 pounds, be like a hundred times healthier and didn't really lose much distance at all. And I think that this new version of Bryson, where he kind of finally got the self-awareness of like 18 protein shakes a day, maybe isn't the most sustainable and effective way to get the most out of my talent. And like, hey, I could still probably be one of the longest players on tour, 20 pounds lighter, and just be a lot healthier. I would go. I, I'm more bullish on Bryson. Okay, I just got your message. So that was good. I was going to ask you the same thing before we opened the Spieth notebook. If you had like an extra five minutes, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I know you're I'm, I'm good. Okay, cool. So Bryson um, over Cam Smith. Oh well, are you you're over on Bryson too? I'm. Yeah, I just don't. <laughs> I mean, the problem with Bryson, I don't like. I I think he could get a PGA, right? I think he could go to Beth Page. Or somewhere like that, Brisket. and I mean, just be, yeah. yeah, right, and just just destroy the place. Like he's still so long. I think that's one thing that he's kept like ninety percent of the length, even though he lost all the weight, which I think is impressive. So right. I'm I'm over on him. He played. He was really really good. Like from kind of May on this year, and it's it's. Sometimes hard to determine these things with Lib, but I think Data Golf does a really good job of kind of keeping the the strokes gain stuff, and you, you know you can tell at the majors like his game was was very sharp. It was very good. So I'm over on him. I'm with no confidence under on Cam Smith. Uh, I actually picked him to win. I think the Open this year to go to go back to back. His game's still very very good. the 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 problem is it's not a game built to be good for like 15 years, right? Yeah. It's a game that, you know, we saw this with Jason day back in 2016. He's the best short game player in the world, best putter in the world. 
And it's like, man, that's got a short shelf life. Like that doesn't last forever. And cams is probably lasts longer than most, but I think it does run out at some point. So if he doesn't get one in like the next year or two, then I, then it starts to be like, I, I don't, I don't think he can win one after that as he gets into his mid thirties. All right. I put our guy Spieth at 3.5. Now I, I kind of slaved over this number a little bit too, because Spieth and Justin Thomas are peers, right? They're kind of corollaries in, in their, in their career in a lot of ways, similar ages, some somewhat sim, similar trajectories. And, and I kind of made the leap of faith that JT deserves the benefit of the doubt in terms of getting two more in his thirties and Spieth feels more to me like that's going to be a little bit of a more difficult roadmap. So I put Spieth at 3.5 and went over. I think he will get one more major, but I found this over under really difficult to make because I think four is it. Um, If it's 4.5, it's an under. If it's 3.5, it's an over like one more Spieth magic week be it at Augusta, be it at St. Andrews. I'll be honest. I think he's like kind of cooked at PGAs. Like, I, I don't think, yeah. the, I don't think the grand slam is going to happen for him. Um, and I have some concerns at us open golf courses outside of Pebble beach, which I think is a really good us open golf course for him. But I went 3.5 with Spieth and I took the over. Yeah, I, I agree with you on, on pretty much all that. The, the thing I would say about him is. Well, two things. One, we don't really have a historical precedent for somebody winning three by the age of 24, and then that's it, yeah. right? I guess Rory's Rory, a little... Yeah, yeah that's kind of the comp, but Spieth won them at an even younger age than Rory, which is is crazy to think about. And then I think the place... I actually came to this sort of epiphany a couple of years ago. Maybe it was last year. Everybody talks about Spieth and Augusta. Obviously, he's been extraordinary there. He's been amazing. He's got like six top sevens or whatever it is. I think the the most likely place for him to win a fourth major is an open championship. Agreed. It's yeah. so chaotic. It's so weird. If you get him in the right side of the draw, and I mean, he could have won St. George's, right? With with mm-hmm. uh with Morikawa. He was kind of in it into i mean he missed that short putt on saturday night on the 18th hole but then he was still kind of in it on sunday until that was I mean, when he out. like had to go to the restroom right like that, if i remember he, that correctly he ran somewhere <laughs> i don't know where it was but uh he ran off like a kicker just missed a, a game-winning field goal or something but uh he yeah more his nails and deserved to win that but speed was in it and he's just been so good at opens there. Even when he lost his game in 2018, 19, 20, he still was kind of like, not in contention, but finishing top 20 at open championships. So that to me is like, he gets, he's already won one. So he gets 30 more of those. Uh, yeah, I think he can be competitive in like 20 of them. And I think he, I think he eventually uh ends up winning one although if you would ask me when he like it when he was 20 like after 2015 how many majors is speed gonna win i probably would have said six and i just don't i don't see a path to six right now i don't think there's any way that can happen it's just a narrower path than a lot of his contemporaries like he's got zero top 15s in his last eight u.s opens 
Um, he has been a complete afterthought at U.S. Open since winning Chambers Bay. Yeah. And I, I think the problem with Speeth is you have to ask yourself the question, is this guy live at every single venue? Like John Rahm, Rory, Scheffler, like there's not a major venue where on paper any of those guys aren't course fits, but 50% of the majors that we play every year, you could make a case that it's not a Jordan Spieth golf course. Like Oak Hill, Valhalla, Oakmont, Shinnecock, Wingfoot, Congressional, like those aren't really Jordan Spieth golf courses. I will think, I will say, I think the fact that Pinehurst and Pebble Beach are anchor sites for the U.S. Open, that's a good thing for Spieth because yeah. if Spieth is going to win another U.S. Open, it's going to come at Pebble Beach. And I actually think Pinehurst is like a sneaky, okay golf course for him too. I agree. It's it's almost like, remember when Tiger like tried to take out half the half the uh, course with like not missing like uh, off the tee, like in the middle of the, the whole Hank Haney book was like the big, the big miss, right? Right. And he tried to take out half. That's like what speed has done with majors. He's taken out half the majors. Like he can't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think he can win a PGA and maybe he will, I, but, it, but I don't think he can win a US open really either. And, and he, I guess he could, but as much as, as like little faith as I have in him at those two majors, I have that much faith in him to win at the other two. Like every time, an open or a masters is played. I think, I think Jordan Spieth can win that tournament. All right. You got another podcast to do my friend. So I'm going to give you like five names and I just want rapid fire over under. Yeah, let's I, do it. Okay. Xander 0.5. Over. Under for me. Zalatoris 1.5. <laughs> such a disdain. Uh, under. Over for me. Um, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think he's going to have a big, 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 big comeback this year. Homa point five. Uh, over, but with not much confidence. Over for me too. Tommy Fleetwood point five. Under. Over. Okay. Matt Fitzpatrick one point five. I think Matt Fitzpatrick is going to be the number one player in the world someday. So I'm going to go over. Okay, I went under there. Top Kim point five. Mm. That's a good number. We talked about this on the first cut. I think it was last week, or or maybe somewhere else. Um, I'll say over, but I don't love it. His game doesn't. It doesn't fit. Narrower pathway. Like a, yeah. 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 Uh, Cam Young point five. Uh. I guess over. I always think of Cam Young as being 34 years old, and I think he's like 26. He just looks like he's 42. So I split the difference. I went over for Cam Young too. Me and our mutual friend Lamagna are like shockingly irresponsibly high on Cam Young. Um, oh, I've 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 heard. Yeah, Tony Finau point five. It's like 34, I think. Yeah, he's, he's no. Older than Brooks or Rory, but yeah, I'll I'll say over. Yeah. I think Tony Fina can win a major. Sneaky, really good open championship player. Like sneaky, yeah. good fit. It like has the distance to win a PGA and a U.S. Open. Really good at the Masters. I, yeah, I Tony gets one in his late thirties. Last one, Ricky Fowler, point five under, under two. Um, all right, Kyle. Uh, real quick, you got another podcast to do, uh, anything to plug. You mentioned normal sport in December, 
but newsletter, what else you got going on as, as golf season kind of winds down this fall? That's about it. Uh, we're actually almost done writing normal sport three. Uh, that'll be out in December. And uh, if people want to uh, check it out or just follow along f- with when it comes out, you can sign up at our newsletter, a normal sport.com. And yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to have people reading that newsletter and, and checking out the book when it comes out. Kyle, good to see you, my man. We could have done probably four hours on this. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll have to do some form of a part two. And and this is always a blast for me. You're one of my favorite guys to talk to, particularly when it's this subject. So uh, we'll do it again soon, my friend. And um, best wishes. Good luck with the kiddos tonight on Halloween. <laughs> I for sure need it. I appreciate it, Andy. <laughs> All right. Thanks, my man. All right. That is it for the podcast. We will be back next week doing something. I'm not sure what yet. Might be some RSM classic stuff, maybe something entirely different. But until then, best of luck with your bets this week. Let's try and keep it going in both golf and in the NFL. We will see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world steel rims crack Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.